Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm your host, Dave, and I am joined tonight by Leonard. How's it going, Leonard? It's going, Dave. It is Friday. I am tired, as are we all, and uh, I'm ready to talk about uh, something unpleasant, as I tend to do every Friday, as do you. (laughs) That's just, yeah, that's that's how we do. So we are going to take a look at another um, horror anthology. This is We Are Here to Hurt Each Other, uh, written by Paula D. Ash, And it came out um, last year. I want to say November. Um, I could be off a little bit, but it's um, 2022. Oh, it's recent. Uh, yeah, it just, it's just dropped fairly recently. Um, it is from... Nick Dictating Books. Uh, they publish strange and gruesome fictions, um, and this certainly fits that. There's it, it comes replete with a, the, the lengthiest content warning I've seen on a book. I don't know that I've even seen them on books before, but mm. but uh, Paul put one in there, so <laughs> it's uh, letting everyone know that this is not for the squeamish or faint of heart um it's it's 12 stories and they are in parts uh kind of loosely connected some of the stories do tie into one another um but by and large they're independent strange wonderfully terrible stories um i i I ran across this um this was this was my suggestion and I came across this because um Paula is a um contemporary of Joe who we had covered um Joe's book um Convulsive uh, last year and it's the same vein same kind of storytelling but not the same writing style so that was this is fun to like i guess contrast them like in my own head they don't they don't don't need to be contrasted against one another they're not the same kind of stories um (laughs) these are hmm more visceral i don't i don't know if i can say that they're more visceral the other ones are visceral too uh so let's see uh joe coke's stories are kind of David Lynchian like there's they're not um, trying to think of how to describe them they're very strange they're there's a waking nightmare aspect to them yeah like a dreamscape yes and everything like reality is is questionable and a lot of things that 
might everything's immutable in ways that it shouldn't be like that there there's a yeah, that, that that dream nature of it renders everything kind of goopy <clears throat> and this is physically goopy things i guess yes but there is a stark reality there's a uh, it, it, it is uh, a, yeah it's like urban horror yeah it there isn't the weird transitory dreamlike state that kind of one flows through uh with joe's work i would say yeah i mean some of that still exists here but it's in a like a, it's more it's like the twilight hours mm-hmm. kind of thing so let less um hmm i would say joe's work is more surreal horror uh with like bits of like impressionistic thing like impressionist painting kind mm-hmm. of feel. it's like a painting feeling is what it is mm-hmm. and this is a eight millimeter degraded celluloid feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that's where this kind of sits for me. Yeah. And I was I, I was I was like pleasantly I was surprised um <laughs> uh going into this that uh I forget that I just read and watch a lot of things. So uh-huh. I desensitized myself and didn't think about it. And I'm just like, going, why are there these content warnings? And I'm just reading it going, oh, yeah, this just seems like a fun little story. And then, like, as I'm taking notes going, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit maybe not so fun if you're just walking into it blind. Probably right. why there's content warnings. Uh, and also, uh, unlike us who, like, constantly seep ourselves, steep ourselves in this kind of work and fiction on, like, a literal weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we did we did an entire Legati year. Um, after that, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's also on me. Just like personally, spent so much time going through all of like Laird Baron's works and Slatsky. We just we've been running the gamut of strange, bizarro tales. Yeah, and then I and then I read a lot of other stuff that just goes into. Uh, I think it's bizarro horror is the actual <laughs> subgenre. Those go places. They're so weird, um, but they're. They're fun. They're just weird. This is this is a yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the feeling I got like when I watched like the specific um, eight millimeter, the um, Nicolas Cage. Movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, mm-hmm. but mixed with Candyman. Yeah, and Hellraiser, and good old like late eighties, early nineties. Uh, like oh, films that play like late night syndicated cable, mm. but this is like the not edited television versions, right? Yeah, I um, 
I, yeah, I was really, really like enjoyed reading these. Like I each tale, uh, Paula changes like writing. It's not only writing, so writing formats, like between the stories. Not all of them, but it's not just like point of view shifts. It's like actual the text delivery is different. So it felt kind of like it's not the density um, that you'd get with raw shark texts or House of Leaves, but it's the same kind of feeling. Um, even if the typography is not really being played with mm. as much, I was kind of getting that vibe too. Or I can say this is kind of uh, gives a vibe of like the um, uh, Shinya Sukamoto's films. They're just kind of raw. Mm. So that that's my general like impression of the anthology. Um, you came into this way more blind than I did because I, I knew what I was getting into when I picked it up. As I tend to, given my limit, limited schedule, which is somehow more limited than yours, even though you work more than I do. Yeah, I don't know how that works out, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a busy man. Um, but we're all equally busy in this in this day and age. Um. Yeah. No. I. Uh, so I wasn't expecting as much because, you know, we've done a lot of horror anthologies on the show and I wasn't expecting um, this kind of conceptual through line, this like creeping corruption uh, aspect uh, to uh, pass through um, all of these stories, at least the ones that I read uh, for today's tonight's episode. Uh, so I was actually pleasantly surprised because it gave me um, the feeling from what I read. Um, I got uh, uh, mouth of uh, mouth of madness. Uh, mm. uh, feeling from it where it was like this slow like corruption like creeping corruption and like that the horrific acts were impacting like people's perception of the world and allowing things that probably couldn't have been done before to start taking place um we'll we'll get into certain aspects of that as we uh, we cover this uh tonight but um it was it, yeah it felt um like slightly cosmic corruption in that way because of this kind of through line as i mentioned before of like concepts and characters and acts and ideas just like making the world an actively awful place even more so than it actually is yeah it's a a, a hostile cosmology and it's that sense that everything's already kind of messed up but people can put blinders on and just like ignore it uh, you mean like reality like reality yeah and uh there's instances where that those blinders uh they're not put aside they're like stripped away uh -huh. <laughs> by something else and then you're like forced to reckon with like the nature of reality 
um, and that isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the feeling that I get. I mean, <laughs> when you go into a collection and it's you know uh, you're off, you're off off the bat, we are here to hurt each other. It's not playing around, right? And it's it's that's the other kind of through line of these tales. So we'll we'll kick it off with uh, the first two aspects of emptiness and carry on carrion. Uh, they're basically it's one is a prologue into the other, which wraps back around to give the history of what happened in the prologue. Um, Leonard, what what's going on in aspects of emptiness? Uh, the man with the face of teeth didn't make me do this. Is what's going on? Um, so yeah, that's what we're introduced to immediately. Actually, if you, you've got the book in your hands and are looking at the cover, you're introduced to it then. Uh, but I wasn't expecting that illustration to in fact be a character in the book. Um, yeah, the man, uh, with the face made of teeth, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, comes to you when you realize, like, the truth of humanity. That was actually something else that I wanted to say. Uh, this reminded me specifically this short um, is um, Lords of Illusion. I forget the villain's name in that, but his his penchant for let me show you what human beings really are, and it's literally just turning them into grotesque flesh mounds that, you know, horrify the protagonist. Um, that's essentially what what the man with the face made of teeth uh face of teeth uh, uh doesn't induce but helps one facilitate for themselves they uh it's essentially stripping away using whatever horrible gruesome means of uh, that one can to uh, strip away the lie that is their facial features and, and reveal of the the ultimate purity of of their true form. Yeah, and it's it's sort of couched in an urban legend feeling. So our our narrator in this is a woman who had encountered the man with the face of teeth and in doing so uh, was physically and spiritually, mentally transformed um, to become uh, the melty face, yes. (laughs) Which is, uh, as with men with the face of teeth, it's it's a literal descriptor. Um, she eventually um, self-dunks her face into a vat of acid, uh, becoming melty face. But um, like it's that happens first. But the way the story is introduced, uh, the aspects of interest is um, unfolded to the reader. Uh, you're entreated to a sort of. Um, Bloody Mary, Candyman yes. yes. ritual, um, yes. where you use 
uh, a mirror in the darkness or in like near as near you can get to darkness, but still kind of see a little bit of yourself in the mirror. Um, and you just sit there, you sit there and as long as it takes, could be five, 10, 20 minutes, uh, get just staring at yourself until you don't recognize what you're seeing as your own form because that's the mask i i I have to say i felt and this is like the most bizarre admission i will probably ever make on this podcast which is i felt incredibly seen by this weird ritual because the way that my bathroom is laid out um i can walk into it and i've got not a it's not a full length mirror but it's a it's a mirror that i can stare into and because um the uh doorway into that section of my bathroom uh is is back illuminated i actually frequently find myself <laughs> staring into my uh, half not even half but like poorly illuminated reflection uh, multiple times during the week uh just to like have a think and like just center myself so i felt really um not great having this be the first thing that the book premised to me <laughs> upon reading it yeah, um, it reminded me of a couple. It reminded me, first of all, uh, I, I won't say I have a habit of it, but um, on multiple occasions, I will like repeat, even just, it might be aloud, but usually it's in my head. I'll like say a word, mm-hmm. but then I'll say it in, like until it doesn't make any sense. Yep. Um, I, I, I enjoy doing that. I don't know why. It's just like a, it's a, like a dissociative thing, mm-hmm. um, but this feels like that. Like you're just you're repeating something in this case visually until it loses its like context for you, right? Um, and it, it it's a you can kind of use it as a meditative thing. Um, reminded me of that, but it also reminded me of the Dab. Um, film series where they did the ritual to talk to the jinn, um, and they used that like little folding mirror. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. a little candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remind me of that a little bit too, um, because that 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 the way that that series is, um, not that it's uh, like found footage. But um, more that it is um, using like folk religions, mm-hmm. uh, but taking it seriously. So it's it's, it's a folk horror, yes. Um, but it's Turkish, so uh, there's more folk in it right. <laughs> than, than just the horror. But it's also very. Um, visceral as well like mm-hmm. there's a lot of literal blood and effluvium and all gore in the ritual right not not just as a, an effect of like the horror in the movie mm-hmm. like oh people are getting torn apart it's like not about that but that 
they found a toilet full of body parts. And yep. then in the, I think the fifth movie, the the ritual to summon the jinn or to place a curse was just like involving a lot of things tossed into like a pot of blood. Right. For like five minutes long. And that's the feeling that these stories kind of deal with. Mm-hmm. So this this first one is um it's very short it's a, a page in a bit um but it's specifically dealing with that that feeling that that self reflection to understand that what you're presenting to the world uh or engaging with is is like a falsity mm-hmm. oh yeah it's all artifice yeah it's all fake and to get in touch with yourself you have to get rid or mutilate the bits that are like fake right um and you know there's i, there's, I guess this is the most underlined part in my little kindle copy um but it says here there's another face beneath your face you'll see it peeking out from behind the face you were born with only revealing itself in the half light it is what you looked like before when you were unstructured. When you, when I, when all of us were aspects of emptiness. And that, um, then it says again, uh, the void wants only reunion. Uh, it's a lot of this deals with that sort of, it's a, it's not cosmic horror. But it's the horror of the cosmos. Yes. I feel there's a distinction there. I want to articulate that better. Um, it's, it's the horror of what the world as a point in space, uh, like that existence. And the the laws of the universe, all all that kind of thing, that sort of thing, the horror that all of it's meaningless, right? Or really, there's not a purpose behind it. So, therefore, your people are trying to ascribe meaning to like every little thing, or there's order in the universe, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 a thing that we're retreading ground that we've covered uh before we are a little uh, bit (laughs) but it's effective just to frame like this narrative right yeah yes the the meaning like the 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 concept that if one truly like accepts their place in the in the universe in the greater cosmos and in every aspect of their existence that it is ultimately meaningless and futile in the end, then it, that is the like psychological spiritual equivalent of the facial destruction that this story advocates for. Yeah. And I think that there's a little bit more going on um, because the other through line in a lot of these stories is using pain um as a means to transcend mm-hmm. this plane existence right so that that's the other that's the part that's a little different 
where that becomes a metamorphic state. It's mm-hmm. it's you, your your false identity, your false shell is like a chrysalis, and to get the real you out, you have to do that with by force, right? Um, but that can be instigated as like by an outside agent, which in this case is the, the uh, man with the face of teeth. Yes. Who doesn't physically do that? No. I mean, I think he just he can just blob you, but um, he can also just lead you to the path of uh, self actualization. I don't think mm. it's realization. I think it's actually like. You have you have to do something in order to become the real you. Uh, he gives off super. Uh, what is it? Is it Vitali? Uh, I believe that's it from Silent Hill Three kind of vibes. Uh, if you remember that kind of weird uh, scuttling freak man that was always kind of stalking oh, Heather um, uh, Valtio. There we go, Valtiel. Thank you. Um, uh, like that. Like, like he, he he doesn't do anything. He's just there to watch and witness the 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 ushering of this this new state. Yeah, yeah. That's how that that's how this kind of plays out, and that folds into the second tale. Carry on, carry on. And this continues with the same. Um, protagonist or uh, narrator, protagonist, protagonist, um, narrator, victim. Yeah. Both. This is where we're getting. <laughs> we're getting all the the um, exposition is being done via melt melty face POV. Yes, which I didn't realize was the same character um, until literally just now. I thought Melty Face was uh, actually someone that appeared later in the story. Um, So that just uh, goes to show how good my reading comprehension is. Yeah, Melty Face, uh, a kid sees Melty Face and then has the realization because it's a horrible mind virus, a horrible mimetic virus, visually mimetic virus that causes people to to destroy their face and it's real the oh man i i don't know if it's just by virtue of it being a child or by virtue of it just being and then they looked and saw and that what's what spurned it but yeah we have uh we have a kid um essentially cut all of their features off um in a house like a family like i, I forget they have siblings but like the, yeah they had a whole it was a whole family yeah and just like like did it without even realizing it um really because uh you know melty face while not there to to witness it is aware of what the child thought was happening or did during the time. Yeah. So, um, Melty face knew they were witnessed 
and one of the witnesses was Cameron, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I did. I think I deliberately forgot that aspect because it made me feel very <laughs> uncomfortable, actually. Yeah, so as a 12-year-old who went home afterwards and, um, yeah, mutilated their face, um, but uh, wanted to preserve... So we don't have the child's point of view. No. We just know like the result of it. They they did this disfigurement and are now um awaiting further enlightenment courtesy of the man with the face of teeth. Who yes. will show up because uh, a, a sigil was carved into the child's ceiling by Melty Face. Um, but Multiface attributes uh, a ling- lingering attachment to the family. Um, so even though the child has re- revealed their true self and is understanding their place in the universe um, as a memento of their previous life, um, they had saved bits of their features and in, in little tissue papers yeah um, for their family so that was like supposition by melty face mm. we don't know that's what that's what was actually going on but um yeah they uh, the, the child carved their face off with like a razor and then just went calmly and was like time to eat breakfast and was dripping all over the place yeah it, so it's um it's written in a way that the details are they're mentioned offhand yes like nothing's lingered upon it's not really described it's more like hearsay mm-hmm. because Meltes didn't see like they saw the result but not like the actions right so they're just going oh this is what happened and it's just told in like a we like a documentary style mm. it, um, it's, it's almost as if she has seen like she's like she's it's supposition based on like past experience like this isn't her first time at the rodeo this isn't the you first know this time is something that. that's happening like by result of them existing in this status right so that makes it it's not it's weird because i can't say that it's clinical it's not that detached because there is a sense of investment in this child's uh becoming yes so it's it's more intimate um in that sense uh, of Mel- melty face like relishing that this has happened and melty face ensue or not, i mean not ensuing um, ensuring that this um, transformation will like reach the next stage. Right. So there's, there's an investment in what this child has done. Uh, and they're not like deterring it. They're not like really encouraging it. It just happened to happen. Yeah. There's- and so they're just now like, well, this happened. So we need to kind of move things along a little bit. Right. 
it's it's it like you said uh clinical isn't the word but it is highly cavalier in in a, in a way that you wouldn't expect for what the subject matter is yeah and that makes it more horrifying i think yes. so this is hmm there's films that do this i can't really think of other books um but movies will do this where you'll see uh it could it could be any member of a family but they just detachedly go do something heinous mm-hmm. and then like then just go back to bed or something you get it kind of with um Amityville horror or uh i think not the crazies um there's some other like possession films mm-hmm. or like a family member will go like axe murder or the rest of the family but then just go back to work the next day but not like they didn't do it out of spite which is worse it's like yes. done for some other thing or or in order to they're kind of like hypnotized mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a deep cut for people who love really bad movies, but this is, I believe this is basically kind of like, kind of like the opening of the Bye Bye Man, um, which is a movie that you shouldn't watch. It's terrible, but a similar situation takes place at the beginning of that movie. Okay, that, um, so I didn't watch that um, <laughs> on purpose. Um, but what that reminds me or what this reminds me of is, uh, Oculus and then, um, mirror mirrors. Oh yes. Yes. So in mirrors, your, your reflection, um, is a, like a demon. Yes. And it nonchalantly like mutilates itself. Yep. Um, and then that be, eh, it's sympathetic magic. So because it did that thing, your body just does that thing does that thing yep so this feels like that only in the nonchalance part yes like that that, and that's the part that's horrible like you're watching you're forced to like watch yourself do a thing that's bad um and as the audience member that that part's disturbing um because you're seeing someone do horrific horrific acts with like no emotion on their face Mm mm-hmm to themselves. Right. And I think that that's the part where you, you can't, you're like, no, don't do that. And then they, of course, they just keep going. Um, that's where this sits. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, and then the, the story moves on a little bit and backs up some. Yeah. Backs up to before the prologue, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this is where um, Melty Face was um, kidnapped on her way home from work uh, and brought to Carcass House. Oh, yeah, I forgot that it was called Carcass House, right? Yeah. I don't... Or the... the Welcome to the Carcass House. Yeah... I think that's probably my least favorite thing in there. Welcome to the carcass house. Mm. I don't. Hmm. I'm just roll off the tongue. 
Um, it just it sounds like it sounds like um, <clears throat> like a Halloween scare setup, like naming convention. Yeah, it it's not like it's cool. bad. I just um, I, I just hear like jigsaw exactly voice for that, which is fine. It's fine. Um, and this part was this was probably the worst part of these two stories mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. this, it's... this describes um, uh, Melty facing her, her human form uh, is like bound to a chair and can't like his limited vision. And there's another kid was kidnapped at the same time and is like methodically eviscerated. Yeah. He gets a, uh, what is it? Bone tomahawked. Uh, yeah, even even worse, but way worse. Yeah, and then just puddled um, at yeah, her feet. That's that's the... until like it's just gore, and the only thing recognizable is like the two pairs of sho- or the pair of shoes that's plopped in with a little feet bone sticking out. Yep. Yeah, uh, which causes her to break. Um, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Which causes her to psychologically break, and then the uh, um, man, the the teeth man, shows up and is like, "Hey, here's some acid. Here's here's literally a pool of acid. Go ahead and do the thing that you know you now need to do for yourself, but I'll hold yeah. your hand." Hey, what the, so? It's weird because I sound weird. Um, we're not getting. It's a weird, strange situation. There's yes. not. It's not explained, and that that's fine. Um, we have proto melty face. Given a choice, it's not a choice. It's like here's a vat of acid, and then it's just like you know what to do, yeah. And she just like poop, okay, plops her face in, right. It, it's very much like how can anyone ever hope to re- like come back from what she just experienced? So like, 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 literally, like transcend, like via like let your let the let your physical like match your emotional now yeah i mean we don't we don't have any of her life story up until this point um we we get uh here i'll just read this bit because that's the part that like sort of puts it together uh me and the boy dripping together in the dark so this is when she's confronted with the puddle um after that the man with the face of teeth brought me a container of a substance with a smell so corrosive it made my nose run and my eyes sting as soon as he entered the room he untied me i didn't even try to run or to clean myself what difference did it make on the surface of the sizzling tub of acid i watched my reflection warp and bend you know what happens after we die don't you This is her speaking, and then his reflection nodded. It's not the end. 
That's why you came to me. He nodded again. And so whatever realization she's come to mm-hmm. is something that she's already been thinking about. Right. Like this isn't, oh, I showed up and, or I got kidnapped and now it's all weird. It's more like things were off kilter before mm-hmm. in general. And this weird circumstance now has just shown the way. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this goes back to the, like the feeling of like the creeping corruption that that I I experienced while reading these stories. Mm-hmm. Like it was it things were already wrong. Like for ev- like everyone involved in a way that it was it all it needs is like some sort of push to like topple them over the edge into whatever this society or this like new world situation that seems to be erupting literally everywhere (laughs) yeah and that's um so here uh she's looking at the acid and after she asked him if you know is death isn't the end and then she's like, um, if you, um, if he had said no, that death was the end, then she would just, it'd be over with. Right. But since it's not, and some, there's something beyond that, then she's willing to venture, like to step forward and like find out what it is. And in this case, it's having her face melted off. Right. To facilitate that. I was reading something else where, like, um, what was it? Oh, it was, a, I think it was just another anthology of tales where um, the there was a weird cult of people that, like, ripped out their eyes so they could finally see the true face of the universe. Oh, okay. Oh, so, you know, Event Horizon. Yeah, or kind the fren- or the frenzy flame, or the frenzy flame. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there is event event horizon esque. Yes, it's like you know where we're going. You don't need eyes to see. I mean, this isn't that, but it's that same kind of like. There's a lot of mutilation going on, mm-hmm. um, and that's like a framed as a liberating force. Like the uh, well, I mean, just like self flagellation has led to not enlightenment per se, but um, like tormenting the flesh to free the spirit. Yes. Is kind of what's going on. Which is stuff that's wrapped, I mean, not wrapped up. That's things that are um, a little bit more evident in the next tale. All the hellish (laughs) cruelties of heaven. Yeah, Dave. You break this one down because uh... It's dense. It's very dense. Yeah. Um it's well we we were in the 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 shallow end of the pool and we just whoop stepped right in. There wasn't a um gradual curve. No, it it's, was literally the Mariana Trench. Like you you were in the 3 foot section and then you were in the Mariana Trench. Yeah. Um 
So this one is a story written in a series of like journal diary entries. And it is from the point of view of a, I guess, a high ranking cult member, potentially an immortal one uh, who is going about a city doing their own um, proselytization for their cult. Um, But at the same time, there's a serial killer uh, going around murdering women and then replacing parts of their bodies with like plants. Yes. Or Uh, stones. Or stones. Yeah. Just like making artworks. Yes. And the cult member is trying to find uh, that that macabre artist to see if they are more attuned to the world than just some rant. Like, why are they doing this? Mm. Like, is there is there a, a motive beyond the murders like what's going on and are they like a kindred spirit basically is what they're trying to figure out right yeah um and that's i mean that's really the the long and short of it uh (laughs) however it does start digging into um just how long the cult's been around uh the, the the fact that this particular cult member may like i think they're uh, a divine force mm-hmm. or either, or they, they transcended humanity to become one. It's not clear. They're worshiping. Um, uh, I almost said Balrog. It's not Balrog. It's the, the daughters of this, the despairing God is the name of the cult. Yes. Um, and maybe it's Moloch. Yes. Moloch is their particular, um, God, the unforgiving God. There's quite a few gods going on in here. Actually, there are quite a few, seemingly quite a few gods flittering about, making everything literally worse for humanity. Yeah, um, and she's she's using a transient, a local transient. She has. I don't know if she's dubbed him the rotting man. Um, he's just, he's a a guy, it's not leprous, it's something worse. Like, the way it's described, he's tryptophobic, tryptophobia in a person. Yeah. Not not phobia, but like. A triptych. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's the right word. Nope. Um. If you have tryptophobia, don't look at this man because right. he's full of holes. That at least you can see the anatomy beneath. That's that's a weird blessing. <laughs> like I don't you don't want to look at something and like it's just emptiness. Yeah. He, but you can see his bits underneath moving, so yeah, it's not good either way. Yeah, the he's skin has us. seemingly rotted away, exposing like raw muscle underneath. And he's 
he's a he's a grammar of putrid colors. When he moves, the gray green clumps of exposed muscle wriggle and throb like malformed worms burrowing deeper into the rank caverns of his body. Blessed be the rotting man. Um yeah, he's no good. Uh this this springs to mind to me um the one of the guinea pig films, uh, Mermaid in a Manhole. Uh-huh. And in that um you haven't seen those, have you? I have not. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna say go watch those because don't do that. But um in that particular film, uh there's a an artist and he's lost all of his um uh, motivation. Uh, he 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 can't get the the colors he needs to paint the thing he wants. Okay. Like he's his his muse has run dry. He finds a mermaid in a sewer. And the mermaid was trapped in the sewer and has been she's still alive, but she's like rotting. Yeah. And languishing. Sewer. Yeah. So he takes the mermaid and puts her in a tub and her her body has like lesions and pustules mm-hmm. that are like oozing putrescent colors and they're the colors he realizes he needs right so he keeps her in the tub and and uses her body stuff to to paint um that feels like this because the cultist is using the rotting man uh as a like a a prayer effigy yes yeah like actually like he is actually just an effigy to her like she she like that's the only reason why she goes to visit him is to is to like tune focus like her religious fervor for moloch via his his horrific suffering that she helps facilitate at least in part yeah she's injecting him with opioids that like melt his body a little bit more but also render him uh like a drooling idiot yeah that's what it says but so with that that brings to mind the um I think it's the Sybils in the in in Greek. Ah, uh, um, yes. It's not mythology. It's mythology, but the actual also the practice, mm-hmm. um, where they would have the young uh, maidens of a village, and they would go. They would be um, in the service of a temple, and would be able to tell oracles and uh divine providences um but they're like dosed up on uh fumes from like a, a spring i think mm-hmm. so that's kind of like this to me right uh however um he the the, the dose does like doesn't work he it um he becomes aware of what she's doing. Uh, and he, he gets upset and then she gets upset and like 
sonic booms the overpass that they're underneath. Yeah, she 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 black bolts the the overpass with with a mighty scream that shatters bottles and causes car accidents. Yeah. It's um that was unexpected. Like I didn't very. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay." Um we're we're getting this is even more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so they're. I mean, they do. Uh, they're when when they're doing her her journal is part like what's happening, and then part memory. Yes. So it'll go, she'll go off on a tangent, like because of events and write a little bit about what happened in the past in her cult, Mm. probably hundreds of years ago. Um, and in this particular instance, um, she's recounting like the actual, um, sacrificial, they, they, uh, the cult of Moloch in this, it's sort of like, feels like they're doing the, the brazen bowl kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like roasting people um, in, in as a sacrifice. And they are throwing up the most metal of uh, hand signs, the, <laughs> horn, the double horns. Um, I liked that part. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're, they have a giant bronze idol, the, Bull God, the glorious heart of pain. So I like this. This naming convention is really good. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. <laughs> and yeah, she just lost the rod. The Roddy Man was like exploded. I think. And then I'm trying to figure out if the King of the Valley is also, um, the Unforgiving God, or a different. God. Right. <laughs> yep. You're you're starting to, to form yeah. like this. We had to note out this pantheon. Like, what's going on here? Um, they do. However, um, she's uh inducting. I think that's what it's called. Yes, inducting yes. a new member of the cult. Um, and the the induction ceremony is like potentially fatal. So. They, they're going around sacrificing people also, still. Um, but sometimes they run into like transient or people that just aren't going to be missed and they'll induct them into the cult. Right. And in doing so, it's like a, it's a physically transformative process to where it'll either kill you, I think, or it just alters your body um, for better service to the unforgiving god i don't don't know um but she uh changes um bony joni yep uh, into a uh just a cult cult member uh, although i name i remember what it was it's jo- it, it, I think well I she does refer to her as Joanna 
So. Yeah. Yeah, Joanna. Um, that's what she became. Uh, and you when you uh make that 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 transfiguration like it it gives you you, you become more than you were mm-hmm. but it takes time to like reacclimate to that new body so like all your senses are obliterated for a little while and then they slowly come back which i thought was interesting yeah it's yeah, it's not immediate it's it, because it's it's a like horrific traumatic experience uh, that um you know when when things other than in horror films a a transformation is always kind of like quick pleasant and instantaneous uh, but yeah no it would probably obliterate your senses and sense of self and require some uh, extreme aftercare afterwards yeah uh oh here's the bit where she like lost the rotting man oh yeah yes i may have misplaced the rotting man into some baleful black crevice of space i've been asking the other transients and denizens of the neon empire and no one seems to know his name i spent three days searching for him wherever and whenever he may be he is he will never escape moloch's embrace energy is never created or destroyed only transformed such is the way of the glorious heart of pain Yes. So she, you know, as if the the scream destruction trick isn't confirmation, she is, in fact, uh, magic. Yeah, she slotted him into some space-time pocket somewhere. Or maybe various ones, some when. Right. Yeah, uh... And then, oh, here's the the bit that I had pulled um so recognize the universe recognizing the universe as it is a cosmic slaughterhouse unending is is difficult as the machinations of reality function only to deceive sentient beings into believing there is some meaning behind the echoing chaos so that's the tenant behind um the glorious heart of pain or one of them anyway mm-hmm. like the thing that they're trying to get everyone to do um and then so she meets she eventually tracks down the serial killer um meets him and then as she is um she's trying to meet up with him again or she's trying to meet up with him specifically cuz she found him but wasn't like physically talking to him Right, he, he, he's a he's a drummer in a um, a metal band, and um, when she's looking for him, um, I think outside the club, uh, she's just thinking to herself. But here's the other um, main point of their cult: pain is the source of all matter. It is the force that holds the universe together that will tear it apart only to rebuild again. Throughout the ages, humanity asks over and over again, why are we here? And then pretends as if the void does not bellow the answer back every single time. (laughs) We are here to hurt each other again and again and again in perpetuity. So we get a a title drop. um, And 
uh, this this particular cult, um, I would say, is that it's not an it's um, tangent to uh, the Order of the Gash from uh, the Hellbound Heart and the Hellraiser series. Mm-hmm. Just people, sort of more people. Order of the Gash is technically more people, also. Uh, these are cultists that are not extra dimensional. Be- I can't even say that because maybe it's <laughs> also an extra dimensional being. So they appear more like people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's some of this uh, a similar quest. Although the Order of the Ash specifically is looking for um, the ultimate like pleasure, and they've just happened to have found that through or the ultimate experience, not not pleasure specifically, because they're they're the voyagers through the all the reaches of the cosmos um, to find the ultimate sensation. Yeah, I don't know these these um this cult seems cooler. Yeah, they seem. It, it, she at least seems more organized, like less chaotic. Um, I guess because you know you could you could say like oh they're doing a specific purpose. Yes, yes, she's focused. Yes, she's focused on it. It it is. It is like it is very like revelatory and religious the way that it is presented. She you know she 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 prays at the altar of the rotting man. She proselytizes and converts. She seeks others. Um, like, uh, cause we're getting to her finding, well, we've already gotten to her finding the serial killer that she's been seeking, but now she gets to determine what his motives are. And if there is like some kind of kindred spirit there. Yeah, and they when they finally meet, um, he says he's doing what he does because he wants them, the... Um, I don't even know if he... People? Yeah. It's not his victims because it's too late for the victims. Um, he wants people to know reverence, um, the kind that life restricts. Yeah, at least I believe. Um, yes, that's that, that was him. I had to make sure that's who was talking. <laughs> uh, and then she just says she's an admirer of his work, and he wonders what she does. And then she says she feeds the suffering that fuels existence. So her her sacrifices to um, the despairing girl. Dang it. Um. Well, it's the glorious heart of pain, and it is the despairing god. Okay. It's a different god, though. There's so many gods. (laughs) Her god is Moloch. Has to be. Yes. 
or maybe maybe well that was like in the oh well no it was it, it, yeah it, maybe no maybe it must she, be so um it's uh, i spent weeks perfecting my performance as prey um when she's uh trying to hunt the um killer mm-hmm. she's trying to like flush him out by pretending to be you Person that victim. Would, yes, um, during the day, I ministered and gathered and provided for my God. At night, my behavior was so foolish, I imagine Moloch almost burst from suckling on such an abundance of shame. So Moloch is her God uh, and gets because he's the despairing God. Um, he gets sustenance on all forms of despair and shame and i guess um abasement mm-hmm. which is like you know always full okay so that's that's that so um then she said this is the part so she says uh i feed the suffering that fuels existence so that pain and that suffering is is what is given to Moloch and Moloch uses that to create. Yes. Because matter is not destroyed. It's just repurposed. Yep. So all that energy, all those things are just used to reform stuff. Right. And possibly what is, what gives her, her powers and longevity as well. Uh, yeah. So cause this is a part that, um, confused me because right then the killer is like if that's true you should be worshipped and then she says in some corners of the universe I am and then this is ends with um, this is our beginning and heaven's promised end so she's some kind of divinity at this point yes we just don't have like like, priestess or something yeah she's not a people (laughs) no and has not been one for for quite a while (laughs) yeah okay so yes that that was that took a second because there was just a lot there's a lot going on in that one um there's a lot going on uh, in all the all the hellish cruelties of heaven yeah it's fun I, i i enjoy that particular tale so that brings us to um grave miracles yeah, grave miracles. It's a just a it's a quick recipe on how to uh how to what to expect when you're expecting to bring your dead loved one back to life. Um <laughs> involves uh lighting 30 white candles, uh setting a polished human skull aged 50 years and never buried near them. Uh, necklace of a corpse, affix a shard of amethyst, tied to the end to your dead bride's neck, and that's for your protection. Um, and yeah, wait for the magic to happen, which is she will be a ravenous zombie that will only eat the hearts of strays <laughs> and, and bones and, and brains. <laughs> and And awful. <laughs> Yeah, it's and sometimes she sings. I like that part. I I I actually really I like the effect of it, which is sometimes she will. What is it? She will she will sing in a language that blackens her lips, teeth, 
and tongue. The blisters will heal with time. Never interrupt the song. Never interrupt the voice that responds inside your own head, unless you wish to look into God's bloody eyes while dangling from his meat hook. Yeah, that might be one of my favorite, like, bits. That's just yeah. a really good paragraph. It's very effective. <laughs> it's yeah. very, like, very effective occult kind of, like, just work work actually warning you don't do this i enjoy the fact that this is like like it feels like like the weird like um once upon a time i bought like a grow your own bonsai kit uh like super cheap uh and it it came with like a a cardboard like the cardboard cover was the instructions and that's what this reads like but for like bringing a corpse back to life yeah it's like what you'd get in the the, the mail order yes thing actually. Like, a, like a comic book or a magazine yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reads like something. Yeah, it reads like something that you would have bought out of the back of a creep show in like 1973. Yeah, yeah. And I do like that it's so it's it's the the miracle maker, um, telling a customer like what they need to do, but then even like at the end, going, "Oh, yeah, yeah I'm just a, I'm just a." Uh, or it's, I'm a grantor of grave miracles. Oh, what? Wait, your oh, your your dead wife is named Miracle. Funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I also just it, oh yeah, I say it plays off of the live laugh love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also love the like, hey, and don't forget to do like normal couple things like. See a film, go shopping, share a meal, that's done at home, make love, laugh, be ter I love the be terribly bored and boring together. It's so it's that that like that like little bit of weird normalcy in in it is like what really hooked me. And it's once again, it's short. It's like it's actually like less than a page maybe a little over a page but it's like my favorite because it kind of taps into the the aspect of horror that i really love which is when it's like crazy occult bullshit and also like the banality of human existence and like pairing them together just does something to my brain that i makes me smile yeah, well, I mean, this sits in a weird, like, campy death becomes her. Yeah, where it's, it's taking itself seriously, but still is a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get another um, deity, the queen of pickling things. <laughs> yep. Which that sounds real great because you have to scrub yourself down with crooked nails, used needles, shattered cups, and dried rose stems every month. Yep, and also don't forget your face. And then, yeah, she can she can get your back, but uh, make sure that she ate something first because she'll just try to eat your bloody body. Yep. And yeah, you you do need to keep getting it on because that'll keep her from falling apart. 
and apparently and keep you from falling apart apparently yeah i don't like that part was weird but that's just how it be i guess yeah, in this horrible nightmare world where there are, once again, like 5,000 awful deities all vying for your attention and worship, but nothing they offer seems to be particularly great. I mean, uh, point of view, probably? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I I get it. Like, I wouldn't, like... But yeah, it's not great things, there. but if you're like one of the high up cult members, you're functionally a god, so Right. Well, I mean that's just the like deific that is a deific Ponzi scheme at that point. Like you have to commit to the bit in order to get oh, there. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're you're doing your monthly sacrifices. Uh, yep. And you get to the top and other you know, other people do the sacrifices for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you take you take some of the you take some of the blessing profit from each sacrifice that they do. Well, you're taking more. Like they're only going to get a little bit, and then you get like the the bigger share because you're the big wig. <laughs> that's how those schemes work. I, I'm told. <laughs> no, that's that that's how that's how those schemes are. I've experienced. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to Exile in Extremis. So, yeah, have at it. This is this this one is written quite a bit differently than the other other tales so far. Yeah, it's uh it's about uh, uh David and Ellie, um, uh, and it is written as a series of email correspondence uh, that then switch to a series of internet messenger essentially uh, correspondence. Yeah, like a it's a chat uh sort of chat room relay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, David Dennis uh, contacts Ellie, unknown, uh, about a the research or a story that she wrote for uh, a, a thinly veiled vice uh, um, substitution publicate online publication. Yeah, re- reviled. Yeah. <laughs> um. About uh, what is it? The uh, a corpse that was found in like a tenement building that was the wife of um a very like well-to-do millionaire yeah Kay castleton the third yes there was the dude that was talking to the grave uh miracler yes um yeah, so we get a series of emails where David's like, man, this is crazy stuff that you've written. And uh, Ellie's just like, yeah, um, don't don't investigate any of this. Don't like just be happy with the publication and and don't look any further into this because all of this is real bad and also real, uh, which David can't do. Because he had a uh, high school relationship with one of the victims. Because surprise, it's a whole group of millionaires digging up dead wives and bringing them back to life as zombies. Yeah. And 
I do I do like that it's like <laughs> she took the time to name drop like True Detective in the beginning of this. That that's fun. Yes. Um yeah, this is the it's um this one feels uh uh like the most contemporary <laughs> uh both in format and 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 uh just uh writing style. Yeah. Um, but to summarize, where is the place that he ultimately winds up at? Oh, uh, it's halfway through. Uh, he went to, shall, where did he go? He went, Kedger's Point. Yes, Kedger's Point, um, which apparently is a horrific, like, nightmarish ghost town that, like, nobody lives in. It's it's almost like Silent Hill, but it's a, it, it, but, like, the foggy version, but it's a real place. Nobody lives there. Power lines are literally cut in half. Um, uh, he winds up at the apartment building uh that uh the the zombie was found at and uh, uh relays a story of encountering what he refers to as shades which are people that have that stare off into nothing uh self mutilate a woman literally bites chews off her has ch- uh, chewed off her own bottom lip um like sitting in their filth and waste and it's it's a real bad time and he's probably put himself on the radar of some bad people because there is a drug what was it corsicane was it uh yeah it um it is carcassine okay because i kept i kept trying to like get it in my like worded out of my mind and I could only come up with Corsicane because <laughs> I was like that looks like it looks like it's trying to like crib off of cocaine but yep yeah, it's it's like acid it's on blotting paper there's a mystical symbol on the blotting paper that um uh Ellie master hacker even though nobody uses the term hacker anymore which is not true, Ellie. Um, deletes off of David's phone um, before eventually just succumbing to the desire to uh, be a living dead person because what Corsicane, I'm sorry, I can't. It, it'll just be Corsicane for the rest of this recording does is make the living feel dead and the dead feel alive. Yeah. And this is um the an, another entity, uh the priest of breathing is behind this potentially. Yes. Is distributing the um carcassine which takes its users to the lost Carcosa. Yes. Um, 
like it's it's this one's really hard to describe because well not it isn't hard to describe but the i enjoyed this one because of its format because it's formatted it is formatted like a series of emails back and forth between two people and presented in that format i don't know what it is about it but it 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 always works like that always works for me that that correspondence it's not done often yeah um so i I think that that's maybe part of the allure is like this isn't a, a an often used style yeah I, I I would agree with that, like because when I started, I was like, "Oh, look at this format!" I'm like, "Oh, I'm super, I'm super, yeah." Because there's um, what is it? There's uh, there was a like to quick briefly step away. There was a um, uh, series of like modern day adaptation of a bunch of uh different loves. Uh, Lovecraft stories um, put on by BBC Radio um, but it was formatted as a podcast with new characters investigating said stories mm-hmm. um, and I like they had to make a lot of changes to a lot of things because they all ultimately ended up interconnecting with one another um, but it, just the format of like presenting it as like this kind of like supernatural podcast and uh and doing it like exceptionally well really really worked for me and once again I think it is just because the sparse nature and the fact that the, the format like that and this aren't used particularly often uh it just you know uh, tickles my brain because I like seeing new things for, uh, so for me, what this is doing, and I had to parse that while you were saying how how, how you were um, engaging with it. So what this is doing for me is this makes the situation immediate mm-hmm. and unfolding in a way that the, the general prose um, narrative of the other tales isn't really doing. It's it's. Those read to me as like journal entries. Yes. Like something that already happened. Whereas this isn't reading a log. This to me is reading exchanges in real time. Like Mm -hmm. even though they're not, like that's just how it works. Right. And then once it gets into the text chat, it's just very tense because then you're now you're reading stuff as it's happening. Like you, I can understand that the emails had happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, just by virtue of there's timestamps and everything on them. But then when it gets into the text exchange, where they're in like the texting, uh, the Abyssus network, <laughs> um, that to me is like, it's in real time, just in my head. It's it's going in real time. Right. So now there's a sense of um, like urgency, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's bringing like the, that part of the horror like to the forefront it just it's just it's it's it works really well right because then because then because it is uh, the, there is that level of immediacy like it the, 
the resolution could just come at any point and in any like crazy way. Yeah, it could, I mean, it could just stop. Right. You could just end the transcript and go, oh, what what happened? And but you don't need to resolve it. Like that was the 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 twist, you know. But this doesn't really do that, so it's, no, it, it, no, it ends it, it up, does, but not that way. No, it just ends very in a very depressing way, where Ellie, having devoted her who knows how much of her life to investigating all of this messed up nonsense that seems to be literally everywhere, once again decides that she's just going to be a dead living person. Yeah, uh, th- so this particular one, um, aside from the King and Yellow references, uh, this reminded me strongly of um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's uh, Pulse. Yes. Where, like, the, just that, you're still alive, but you might as well just be a ghost. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that a lot, because that, that's, I was immediately like, I wasn't thinking of that in particular, but that's the, like, I read these stories and it, it does a movie in my head. You know, I'm like <laughs> watching the movie and that's the colors and like the mood that it was evoking. Mm-hmm. And I did, um, as, as, as an aside, but that's specifically related. Uh, I ended up listening to the King and Yellow, uh, audio version um like a play version um the last couple days so i was just like trying to refresh myself on the first couple of stories uh, <laughs> just in case it was like other references aside from the ones that are dropped but not really just a general like same sense of like bad stuff happening but you have to d- determine if that thing happening is a like a malady of the um the uh, protagonist Mm -hmm. or is something that's actually happening and everything's messed up. Right. Because it's very unreliable in the actual stories. Yes. Whereas this doesn't read that way. No, this is like, no, everything's falling apart and it's just, it's gone. Everyone's, everyone's gone to uh, hang out with Sutter Kane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and once again, with the number of deities and deity disciples flittering around all over the place, it, it makes a lot of sense that everything's going to pot everywhere. And I love these deities um, in as much as like they're not they're not present in the story, mm-hmm. aside from just devotion or hearsay. Uh, and they're not spoken of in like a description aside from their descriptor name, right? So you just like kind of imagine like you get a you get a picture, but it's that's different than going oh Hastur or you know it's, right. it's, it's it's not a single like proper name. It's like a descriptive epithet. I don't know. It's it's almost like it like that like their names are designed to make you think about them and oh yeah po- and it's possibly funny how that works <laughs> and possibly call call them to you or you to them yeah or the or the or the whole oh you've like 
you've named a thing and now it's like you that that's brought it further into existence right yeah we need right. more cult members to empower our god right belief belief is i mean belief is is actualization (laughs) that's all self actualize actualize with this these vats of acid yep it's gonna work out real well everything's gonna be great because everything is going to be terrible forever yeah so the last uh the sixth story that we read was um, Jacqueline laughs last in the gas last in the gaslight, and this is a reframing of Jack Ripper, basically, yep. uh, where Jacqueline uh, is the wife of a uh, young deacon, and. The her husband is ignoring her in favor of his flock, and is putting all of his efforts um, into his sermons. Um, she's sort of an afterthought. He's he 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 is paying her as much attention as like as if she were maybe a housemaid. Mm. Uh, and that is, it's stifling her. Um, but then when her husband and she kind of, they started to get like cat called and propositioned, um, it, it, it's too much. And she decides to take it upon herself to kind of clean up the streets of the parish. Yes. And is goes around murdering anyone that was like slighting her yes. or her husband. Um, but in doing so, I don't remember at some point it, uh, that murderous glow like attracts her husband back to her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and he doesn't know what she's doing. Um, but he likes it. And, uh, they end up having a child and she just continues murdering people that that's there wasn't like a um fantastical god or kind of chaotic thing happening other than like this lady's running around murdering a bunch of people right so this one didn't this one fell a little bit flatter to me same i I liked the pacing of it, I guess. Mm. Like it it's a little longer um than the other stories, but it doesn't it still re- well no, I guess it reads pretty quickly. Um and it is it's sort of re- of a reversal of gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, but she's yeah. also a murderer, right? There's a lot going on. There's there's more going on than than just that. She's a lady Jack the Ripper. But I'm like I don't know enough to to dig more into this one. Mm-hmm. Like this is not in my forte. I don't think. Right. 
the yeah the true tri- crime white castle murder stuff is yeah i'm i'm aware of it but not like and en- not with enough detail to go oh this this is a reference to xyz so yeah. um yeah don't um paula not don't know about this one <laughs> uh yeah it's um i enjoyed reading it <laughs> right and and for me, it kind of falls into like the same kind of like speculative, like what ifery that from hell occupies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think that it might also be a matter of our age because we are both we have been surrounded by Jack like crazy mountains of Jack the Ripper like media since we were both very young like way too young to have really been should have been exposed to jack the ripper or the white castle uh chapel murders so i'm just yeah we we got like deluge with it and then um it got kind of combined with uh some of the more ribald um jekyll and mr hyde yes Uh, so i'm thinking specifically of the anthony perkins um Mm -hmm. one where I saw that on TV and I was like a little, I was really young. <laughs> I was like pushing up and watching this. But yeah. So yeah, this, this one wasn't particularly my cup of tea, but like nothing to do with the, the construction of the tale. No, not at I all. just, I'm not a fan of true crime stories. Yeah. It's <sighs> weird. Um, I like, mm, I think it's cause I like pulp stuff more mm-hmm. so i gravitate more toward those stories right. um yeah so uh yeah that'll that'll wrap us up we hit our normal time run for for what we do on these episodes <laughs> um i originally had planned just to do the it's a 12 story anthology and just to do the six and then like um leave it for listeners to hey if you enjoyed if you were reading along, then oh, great. Also, um, but if these intrigued you, we—they're short, um, but they're well crafted, and uh, we're not conveying like this is the same issue with um, Joe's work. Where it's like you need to read it. Yes, like exactly. please, like read it and revel in like all the little details because we're not we're not digging into like the details as much um as we have done in like in the past just because of these are really short and i don't want to if i read an excerpt i'm almost reading the whole thing and i I, I don't want to do that so i tried to keep that part to a minimum but again some of the stories are like a page long and i can't pull more than like a sentence quote out of that Mm. um so yeah, we'll we may read the back half of it, um, but that's not going to be for next week. Right. So it it could pop up um, sometime this month if if we decide to do that. If not, um, please check out the book. It's 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 in the same vein of all the stuff that we enjoy. So um, <laughs> if you're here for the rest of that, you'll enjoy this too. Um, be mindful of the long list of content warnings. It's in the, the front of the book. So yes. just, just with that in mind that this is already discussing mutilations of 
children and sacrifices and murders, um, all all manner of things. Uh, but six tales in, and the descriptions aren't um, gratuitous. Nope, they're just conceptual. Yes, so that's potentially creepier because like yeah. your mind yes. has to do all the work or you know not all of it but it, it's it's making you think about it more than if it's describing it to you specifically then it's it's the, the picture's done you it's been painted for you right like that this is well crafted uh and and it's concise so everything's kind of to the point but it still leaves you enough to kind of think about the themes and, and we all- love terrible cosmic themes we sure do and it's also like 4.99 on amazon kindle <laughs> yeah yeah it's not uh, it's not gonna break the bank to um get a digital copy of this one nope yeah so uh, to check it out if you if you enjoyed our talking about it for an hour and a half and some change um yeah uh we'll we'll keep posted if we decide to do the, the last six of these but i think this is probably just a one-off um and if paula has some more books coming out we'll let you know and we'll take a look at those too yes as we like to do so we'll do our little bit of wrap up and then that'll be bye-bye folks after that Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? People can find me on the internet at uh, Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead. They can also find me on Twitter at Umbra Knox Productions. And if you're looking for some of my video game video essay work, you can find it on YouTube by searching Dr. Faust is Dead. And you can also find my fledgling filmmaking work on YouTube as well by searching at Umbra Knox productions dave where can people find you on the internet they can find me on twitter at sentient underscore plus they can find cameron with his face intact on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k uh the podcast is on twitter as well um for any notification purposes basically or you can shoot us a dm or whatever you can talk to us uh at uh, mon underscore d monster and this and all of our other episodes um, are on monsterdeer.monster. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be us signing off for tonight. And we will let you know uh, the middle of the week what we're doing next week. No, no, it's a surprise. So yeah, bye-bye, folks. Goodbye. Monster Deer Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place. 